Welcome to our podcast with Jeffrey Long. Uh, we're super excited to have him as one of our uh, interviewees. Um, he was one of the people who led the 1968 proposal for the first Asian American Studies course at UC Berkeley. And he has a wealth of knowledge to share with us and we have a lot of great questions to ask him. So to get us started, we're gonna do a quick round of intros. Our group will just do quick intros about like our year and our names, and then we'll pass it on to you, Jeff, to give a quick intro about yourself. So I'll start, I'm Ethan, I'm a third year CS major. This is my first Asian American course I'm taking and I've loved it so far. Pass it on to Dustin. Thank you, Ethan. My name is Dustin. I'm a second year studying business with minors in Asian American studies and education, and I will give it to Phoebe. Hey everyone, I'm Phoebe. I'm a fourth year. I'm studying concept science and Asian American Asian national studies. Hi everyone, my name is Lawrence Sue. I'm a fourth year majoring in political science and minoring in Asian American studies. Hi, I'm Christina. I'm a fourth year studying microbial biology. And like Ethan, this is my first Asian American history class I'm taking. And as a fifth generation Chinese American, this is really interesting to me. So I'm glad to be here. And Jeff, if you'd like to say a few words about yourself. Uh, hi, I'm, I'm Jeff uh, Leong. And uh, as Ethan said, I, I was around in the late 60s when Asian American studies was started at UC Berkeley. And I'm uh, very pleased to be with you here tonight. Uh, and uh, I'm pleased to know that there's such interest and in, uh, in the Asian American Studies program. Yeah, so I think we want to start off with one of the questions that we sent you already, which is kind of just, you know, about the beginning of the first Asian American Studies class and proposal, and especially, um, like, how did the political events in the fall of 1968 when you were at UC Berkeley affect the impetus for proposing Asian American Studies at UC Berkeley? So that kind of includes, you know, the political background of assassinations of MLK Jr. and Robert Kennedy, riots and stuff like that. This was in the fall of 1968. Uh, so meanwhile, while I was on my six month hiatus from Berkeley, uh, that was when in the spring, both the assassinations of Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert Kennedy took place uh, in May, I'm sorry, April and June. Uh, also, that was the summer of the riots uh, at the Democratic National Convention uh, in Chicago. Uh, so there was a lot of political turmoil and unrest. So I came back to Berkeley in that environment in fall 68, even though it was my junior year. Uh, I signed up for a class called Social Analysis 139X. So in that class, uh, it was really an eye-opening experience for me to learn about the African-American experience. I had taken a few classes uh, before I had left school, but the Cleaver class was really eye-opening again for me. So we basically were auditing. We had no credit for the class, but I learned a lot. And uh, so that was kind of the environment in the fall of uh, 1968. Uh, and uh, I went from, uh, for me, it was uh, personally shocking because I went from playing music in coffee houses as a pseudo hippie to being immersed in issues of black power, of the university, of student activism. And that's when I first got involved and uh, met uh, the folks from the Asian American Political Alliance, uh, or APA as it's called. And I met uh, an Asian American uh, by the name of John Chang. And when he discovered that I was uh, against the draft and uh, 
Asian American, he invited me to a meeting of the Asian American Political Alliance. So that was my first introduction. And um, they supported me uh, through that experience. Um, so I went to a meeting uh, with uh, the APA folks at uh, the house uh, uh, of Yuji and Emma Ichioka, uh, the, two of the founders of the Asian American Political Alliance. I believe it was uh, in sort of uh, early November. And I met Yuji and uh, it was really, uh, that was an eye-opening experience because that was the first time I learned uh, personally uh, of uh, the existence of the Japanese American internment camps. Uh, and uh, I was uh, at that point uh, 19 years old uh, and I had never heard of that. Uh, I know it's harder for people to believe now uh, nowadays, uh, but we were really, uh, it was really erased from American history books and from our university education. Uh, so that was the first time and I was really kind of shocked. Uh, so Yuji was very patient with me and uh, uh, encouraged me to be involved with APA. And he mentioned that one of the things that APA was doing was uh, drafting a, a course proposal uh, for an Asian American studies history and culture class at UC Berkeley. And this would uh, later become Asian Studies 100X, uh, which was first offered uh, in January of 1969. Uh, my partner was Alan Fong, who later uh, became uh, one of the, the early teachers of Asian American Studies. Uh, and he and I uh, divided up the tasks to write up uh, perspectives for the course to submit to uh, what was called the Board of Educational Development, uh, BED. Uh, this uh, sort of route for student-initiated classes was created after the free speech movement in 1964 uh, to allow students to generate uh, their own courses. We came up with a general outline for the course, uh, which focused, first of all, on um, the history of the, uh, at that time, the major Asian American uh, uh, groups, uh, which were primarily uh, Chinese American, Japanese American, and Filipino American. Uh, of course, uh, the definition and the number of groups has greatly expanded uh, over, uh, certainly since 1965 and the change in the immigration law. Uh, but with that time period, we focused on those specific groups uh, to talk about the history of uh, immigration, but also of discrimination against uh, those groups with the Chinese Exclusion Act, uh, the Japanese American internment, the Filipino uh, farm worker strikes, uh, which were going on uh, actually at the same time. Uh, and so that became sort of the introduction to the, to the course. Uh, then we talked about, uh, the second section was about communities. Uh, so, uh, we talked about the different things going on in uh, in Chinatown, Manila Town, and J Town, uh, issues of housing uh, for seniors, uh, for new immigrants, uh, particularly youth uh, issues, etc. Uh, and then finally, we ended up with sort of a more generalized identity section, uh, talking about what it means to be Asian American. Uh, so I think probably that first course as an overview introduction 
uh, encompasses a lot of things that uh, many more classes uh, expand upon now uh, in under the umbrella of Asian American studies. The first week of January, uh, we had the, a waiting list. We had our full 100 students and uh, more people that wanted to take the class. So the need was there. Uh, and uh, that's sort of how we uh, got it initially organized. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing all of that. That's, that's really interesting. Um, so what I kind of want to segue into now is that you kind of mentioned, you know, the political setting for this class, how you kind of started with the founders, how you developed the curriculum, but also did you experience any pushback when you first started, first started to implement this class? We in APA were actually known as the radicals. We were sort of the progressive, you know, Bernie Sanders uh, and, and uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez fringe uh, of the UC Berkeley campus at that time. And there are many Asian American students who were uh, either apolitical or um, uh, immigrant students who wanted to uh, uh, focus on their education and rightly so uh, to be able to uh, find a profession and earn a living uh, in their lives. And, and, and when we did too, but uh, we were more in tune to the social issues. So that was, I think, one of the initial, uh, not so much conflicts, but challenges. Uh, when I say that the initial enrollment to Asian Studies 100X was 100, and there was a waiting list, uh, in addition, uh, we were pleased because there were not 100 uh, students in APA. Part of uh, this uh, uh, organizing effort that uh, the APA uh, folks had was that the Asian studies classes would be an opportunity for uh, people to learn more about their cultural background, uh, et cetera, and to perhaps get involved uh, either in the communities or with teaching of Asian American studies, uh, and that it would be an expansion of uh, of the knowledge that we were trying to share. Um, so the, there was a, uh, a conference called the Yellow Symposium that took place the first week of January also, that actually served as a vehicle to uh, get a lot of uh, students who were not actually APA members interested. Uh, so that was, that was one thing uh, that happened in terms of within the Asian American student community. Uh, but outside of that community, um, we were really uh, linked uh, to and uh, watching uh, the other students of color on campus, the African-American students and the Latinx students, uh, because the university uh, really was not enthusiastic about having ethnic studies on campus. And uh, the BED program uh, was a vehicle uh, for having experimental courses, but we were really on the fringe of the university. These were one-time only courses uh, taught by uh, faculty who wanted to donate or contribute to something experimental, but it was by no means uh, a permanent part of the university. And that eventually led to the third world strike in 1969 
and uh, the demand for a third world college. So I think those were some of the barriers to uh, organizing Asian American studies and ethnic studies uh, on campus. And I, I guess the last thing I'll mention is uh, Berkeley then, uh, as a, uh, in my opinion, to a certain extent today, uh, has always been an elite school that serves uh, the interests of uh, the business and sort of power structure in the United States. And it certainly was then. Uh, it was not very uh, diverse uh, in terms of, uh, in, in any way, uh, you know, uh, in terms of social class, uh, gender, uh, sexual orientation, or um, uh, racial and ethnic groups. Uh, so uh, it was not, uh, it was a very alienating environment in some ways. So we were working and operating, uh, trying to encourage our fellow Asian American students to be aware of their cultural history, uh, but also realizing that there was a larger university community that was not that friendly towards uh, the idea of ethnic studies. So then how did this Asian American studies course become permanent? So did you, um, was it taught the year, the next year and beyond, or was there some pushback to bring it back? Or what was that situation like? Uh, all the students got together and uh, we were inspired uh, by the original third world strike at San Francisco State. And that started, uh, I believe it was uh, uh, November of 1968. So when we came back, uh, when I came back to campus, uh, we knew that there was a possibility that the, uh, the students of color uh, would organize and unite on the Berkeley campus to start our own third world strike uh, for similar, uh, similar demands for a uh, the primary one being what we call the Third World College. And uh, Professor Dong might have mentioned that to you folks, uh, but basically the, idea, the, the core principle of that um, notion was the idea of self-determination. And that meant that we believed that the, the students of color on campus needed to have access to their own uh, courses on, uh, on history of ethnic groups in the United States, uh, on their communities, but also that the courses be taught by uh, faculty of color and that the administration be managed by uh, people of color too. So that was uh, fairly radical. And as you can imagine uh, in an elite, uh, primarily white uh, uh, campus community, including the academic senate, the professors. Uh, it was a very challenging kind of proposal to uh, make. And so, um, so what happened was um, we uh, talked about, we actually got some uh, leaders from San Francisco State come to Berkeley saying, why don't you start a strike of your own? Or can you support us? Because their strike went and lasted over six months. It was the longest strike in American history, longest student strike in American history. And so we uh, talked uh, amongst our groups 
And we did something that was uh, unique at that time at Berkeley, and I think it's unique just in general, is that because of that particular coal, uh, uh, that gathering of circumstances, we actually formed a coalition and it became a collaboration uh, between groups that normally don't necessarily uh, see themselves as having something in common, uh, meaning Asian Americans, African Americans, Latinos, and eventually Native Americans. And uh, despite uh, historical differences, uh, despite uh, any kinds of conflicts between communities, uh, at that particular point in time, we decided that uh, a sort of united front uh, emphasizing what we had in common which was our frustrations in implementing any kind of ethnic studies curriculum for our own respective groups at Berkeley, we decided to band together. And, uh, and the vehicle for that was the third well strike. The organizational framework was uh, adopted or adapted from San Francisco State. So we called ourselves the Third World Liberation Front uh, and it was composed of those four organizations representing those four particular groups. Initially, the Native Americans, because of their small number, uh, were not involved, but within a couple of weeks, uh, Lanita Warjack uh, became uh, a member of the Central Committee and uh, they were officially part of the Third World Coalition. So because of the timing of what had happened at San Francisco State, and with uh, the frustrations at UC Berkeley, we saw the continuation of Asian American studies, uh, we meaning APA, uh, but the other groups in their own, for their own communities saw that the third world strike would be the means to achieve our goal. And so that's sort of how things coalesced at that particular moment. So uh, in that kind of effort in running the strike, we sort of, created some um, frameworks for the launch of uh, the Asian, Asian, I'm sorry, the Ethnic Studies uh, program, uh, which was approved at the end of the strike. We actually, the Academic Senate voted, I think it was 590 to three uh, to uh, adopt a Ethnic Studies program at UC Berkeley. Yeah, thank you. So also kind of in relation to this strike, how did this strike and also um, the formation of the first Asian American studies course, how did those both change, like how did those change the attitudes of people um, towards Asian Americans, either on Berkeley campus or in the Berkeley city and beyond? We saw um, that the UC Berkeley campus itself was a community and that um, organizing on campus meant uh, teaching Asian American studies. And so we saw that as a way of not only uh, educating our fellow students and ourselves, um, but also the university community and establishing a uh, permanent kind of foothold for Asian Americans uh, at Berkeley and in academia. We saw Asian American studies as having something to offer to all kinds of students. Uh, not just students who were going to be directly involved in teaching or helping uh, directly in the community, 
but helping people to be proud of their uh, heritage and to speak out uh, uh, for uh, themselves and for their communities as Asian Americans in, in the American uh, society, no matter where you are working. Piggybacking on what you just ended with about like your, your whole perspective about this topic, like how has the curriculum and structure like changed over time for Asian American studies? Like you mentioned that you literally started with from scratch with Alan when you were writing the first prospectus and you're really like inspired by the class you took with Cleaver about like African-American studies and like the whole journey of, you know, protesting took, you know, a while, like standing in the front lines, like, I guess that whole experience, how has that like changed, I guess, your views on like how Asian-American studies should be taught? Like you mentioned that um, it should be taught by like people of color, for example, were there any other additions to um, the curriculum or structure of uh, Asian-American studies over time? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think, you know, I I acknowledge and I think, you know, it needs to be acknowledged that the pressures of being at an elite university like UC Berkeley are tremendous uh, upon an academic department. And, um, you know, the I think the pressure is f to find faculty or a program that would sponsor research and academic research, uh, you know, historical research, et cetera, uh, to bring more prestige to the, uh, the university uh, because of those academic pursuits. And the risk of that we knew from day one of, uh, of the fall quarter of 69, that there would be this pressure uh, to sort of the system to perpetuate itself, to continue its own mission, its own goals. And so we were sort of the resistance and it's all part of the larger story. Uh, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the dominant uh, white society uh, that tends to define Asian Americans, uh, you know, in one or two uh, brushstrokes, but in actuality, we're all different, and all of our stories are different, and and that's what's so important. If anything, Asian American studies can do is to, uh, you know, make us discover who we are uh, as individuals and who and what our differences are and what our similarities are, um, because I think it's you know it's dehumanizing to think of Asians as all cookie cutter. People, you know, what if you're, uh, you know, Vietnamese American, or if you're Lao, or if you're Filipino, you're all the same. Well, you know, you're not all the same, and uh, and if you're first generation, second, third, you're all the same. That's that's not true either. So, but um, you know, for all of us, regardless of what generation you are, to be able to know who you are and your background. Uh, and particularly uh, your ethnic background, because that's so much part of your identity, uh, is, is your birthright. It's something that you, uh, you own. Uh, everybody has a right to that as a human being. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's essential and uh, wonderful to be able to, to learn more. 
For our public service announcement, we'd like to highlight UC Berkeley's recent proposal to close the South and Southeast Asia Library, the only space on campus dedicated to the celebration of South and Southeast Asian cultures. This decision would have converted the South and Southeast Asia Library into office space, but after pressure from over 20,000 students, the university announced the withdrawal of this proposal. Going forward, UC Berkeley students must remain vigilant in our fight to preserve Asian representation on our campus. In this podcast, we interviewed Jeff Leong, who spoke to us about how political events, like the Third World Liberation Front, motivated the formation of the first Asian American Studies course, how they overcame pushback from campus administrators, as well as how he thinks Asian American Studies can improve and grow in the future. Now, we'd like to close this podcast with a special thanks to Jeff Leong for taking the time to talk with us, Professor Dong and Gabby Ariola for their support, and to all of you for listening to our podcast.